to be done. All right, so with the things that we know that are going on and things like that, Pastor Jeff gave us a little bit of information last week about Stuart and Chantel Winograd who are involved with REACH Initiative in Israel. They are missionaries who are there that we've supported for years and years and years. We've had the ability to have them right here at our own pulpit. Uh, Rabbi Stewart has spoken here several times. They were part of the beginnings of CareNet Pregnancy Center here as well. But um, just check in last night to just see where they're at. The biggest thing they're asking for right now, they're safe, uh, is prayer. And um, we, we're going to pray this morning for exactly what they asked us to pray for. If you want to know and keep up with them, I'd ask that you go to Reach Initiative and Facebook. They're giving updates throughout the week. But they are praying for these specific things. So if you'd be in agreement with me, the word of God says that where two or more are gathered, he is here. We're going to pray on their behalf and the behalf of Israel this morning. So in specifically, I'm going to go through these things. I'll read them as they wrote them, and then we'll pray at the end of that. It said, please pray for the situation not to deteriorate further, and that a cease would take place on, from the attacks of Hamas. And with Hezbollah signaling the support, the threat magnifies. The terror group Hezbollah in the north Israel and Lebanon is demonstrating more aggression. Pray they back off and cease. Please pray for wisdom and strength of the Israeli leaders who are facing looming critical decisions. Please pray for the comfort of families mourning lost ones and speedy recovery for those who are injured. Please pray for a shield of divine protection around the Israelis held captive in Gaza. And amidst the chaos, this one's, this one's unbelievable, and this is the way our hearts should be. Amidst the chaos, a prayer for the hearts of the Israelis, the Palestines, the Arabs, an unlike turn to Yeshua, or Josiah, which is Jesus, the Messiah, and that they would see an eternal beacon of hope. Embrace the peace of Jesus' promises, and that every heart would get through this storm. So we're all just going to pray in agreement with this this morning. Dear Lord, we just thank you, Lord. Your word says where two or more are gathered, we are, you are here, Lord. We thank you right now, Lord, that you control all things, Lord. And we, we know right now, Lord, that your word says that no weapon formed against us will prosper. We ask that that be over top of Israel right now, Lord. We ask that you do be with the leaders who have to make tough decisions, Lord. We ask that you support the families and, and people who have lost ones and injured, Lord. Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit and presence just come along, Lord, and have things stop. Your word says that you are the Prince of Peace, Lord, and that you can wipe away darkness, Lord. And we ask right now, Lord, that you just be in that area, Lord, that you comfort those who need comfort, that you provide strength to those who need strength, Lord, and that above all this, whatever the circumstances look like, that we understand and realize that you have the victory and we'll be able to give you all the praise and honor and glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Well, that being said, obviously we know there's a lot going on throughout the world. We get to come to this very safe place and hear God's word. So please, what I'm saying, don't take things for granted because you never know when things can change rather quickly. Most of you know by now that my profession is I'm a physical education teacher at Holland Patton, and I'm blessed to work with teenagers all day long. <laughs> <laughs> but often when I start my classes, I start with a question, right? If we ask a question, it, it automatically starts engagement. So I'm going to ask you a question here this morning, right? What have you seen God doing at work lately? What have you seen? Hopefully we've seen a lot, 
all right? But how many of us would agree it's very easy to see a very little? It's very easy not to see any bright spots in our life when we're flooded with everything that's going on, right? We see war at the highest level it's been at in most of our lives, right? We see murder or read about a murder minute by minute now, not even daily, right? Crime is at a new high all over the, the, our country. The world is trying to define things as they may be it rather than go off of what God's truth really is, all right? So it's very easy to look at our world and not see God at work, right? But it's a choice. We have to choose if we see God at work or not. So let me just give you a little bit of, little bit of my life and where I just count up some of the things that I see. The other day, I got to hug a miracle. All right, I had a friend, I had a friend at the beginning of this summer, a family friend, who I got a call from somebody and said, you need to pray. This person's got cancer, stage four. Found out, not stage one, not stage two, found out stage four. But the other day, when I saw her, I said, hey, what's up? She goes, I'm cured. <laughs> Went through the medicine and things like that, but less than five months later, no cancer in her body. Amen. Take the opportunity to hug a miracle when we get to hug a miracle, right? Because they're out there. The other day at my school, coolest thing happened. We had an assembly, right? Every kid in the school got to come to the auditorium, something like this, but we fill it up. Like we fill every seat, right? They're all sitting there. And we had this guy, Reggie Dobbs, speak to us. Now, I don't know if you guys know who Reggie is. I've known Reggie for 20 years, or at least known who he is, because I met him at Kingdom Bound 20 years ago, all right? Reggie is a pastor from Dallas, Texas. He's a pastor who is LeBron James' pastor, and the Dallas Cowboys' pastor, and all these professional teams, but Reggie got to speak to our students. He shared the Word of God indirectly but shared the word of God directly to all 410 kids who sat in that auditorium. That's a miracle because my principal didn't even know he was a pastor. <laughs> I, went up to my, I went up to my principal after and I'm like, you know who this guy is? He's like, no, got no idea. He just spoke to 17 schools in four days in this area. Thousands of students got to hear the gospel. I'm like, he's a pastor. And they were like... Oh, it's a miracle, all right? We've got to look for these things because God's working, right? He may be working directly, he may be working indirectly, but he's not, he's not missing an opportunity. And the last one I'll share with you is on September 27th. Do you know what that day is? It's a special day in our nation, but not many people know about it. It's a day called See You at the Pole, where teenagers throughout, throughout the country have the opportunity to meet at their flagpoles at their schools and pray. Well, one of my students came to me and said, hey, Mr. Roberts, we're going to be meeting at the flagpole. Can you come? So I can't initiate this, but I can sure partake. So this girl, who her dad is a pastor out in, out in Holland Patton, she got a bunch of her friends, myself as the only teacher who was there, four of her friends, and our, and our school safety officer, prayed that morning for our administration, for our schools, for our students, for safety and stuff like that. Things happen if we look for them, right? Don't discount what God's doing 
because we prayed for every kid in this school. These kids know to go through their hallways and pray for their students. God's at work. Don't miss it. The world wants us to see all this junk, and it's very, all that junk can easily distract us from actually what God is doing. All right, so as we realize this, we're going to jump into the word today. But before you do, it's very important that we pray. So dear Lord, I just thank you, Lord. I thank you that you have chosen me today to be your mouthpiece, Lord. I ask that your Holy Spirit run through me, Lord. That I deliver the word that you've put inside my heart, Lord. And most importantly, that lives are changed and glory is brought into you. And we'll be sure to give you all the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. Very said, amen. amen. So when we go through these things we have to realize that God is doing great works. When we go to the Bible, God's done great works all the way through it, right? But we're going to go through a progression today of how God did things. Right? When we go back to the book of Genesis, really what takes place in the book of Genesis? Creation, right? And when we talk about creation, how did God do it? He spoke it, right? He spoke it. When we look, he said, let there be light, which created Light and day, right? I, I, let there be light. And it happened, right? We go into that. God said, let there be a space between the waters to separate the waters and the heavens of the earth. Which God created sky and heavens. He said it. He spoke it. Then he goes on to say, let the waters beneath the sky flow together into one place so dry ground may appear. And that's what happened. God called that land and sea. He spoke it. He didn't whip up some potion or anything. He said it, and it was done. How many things in the Bible has he said that we've seen done? Right? He can speak anything to place, which is absolutely amazing. All right? Then we go on to the thing is he created the sun and the moon. And the stars. And he spoke them into place. Just with his word. How We just take a minute and just think about how powerful that is. And how hard do we work to do the simplest things? We put all this energy and effort and all this into it. When God spoke it. And as we get through this message, you're going to see why this is important. My point is, God spoke the formations of the world into existence just with words. We've all heard that our words are extremely powerful. They have the, the ability to kill things, and they have the ability to bring life to things. The choice is, what do we do with it? But when we look at other places in the Bible where God has done work, we're reminded of the story of Daniel in the lion's den, right? I'm going to give you a quick paraphrase. This is like how my mind works, right? Which is much different than your guys's, <laughs> just because it's always going, right? So King Darius, right, signs a decree that no one is supposed to pray to anybody besides himself for 30 days, right? However, Daniel continued to honor his God. He goes up in his room, the window's open, everybody can see him, and he says, you know what? I'm not going to pray to King Darius. I've got a God who supplies for all my needs. I'm going to pray the way I've always done the way I've always been, and whatever happens, happens, because my God is my strength, and he's going to take care of me. Right? So after these things, King Darius, of course, finds out, because there's those little 
little troublemakers out there, right, who don't want anything good to happen. They go rat him out, right? So they go to King Darius and they said, Daniel, he's been praying three times a day out his window, not to you, but to his God. So this infuriated King Darius, right? And he says, Daniel, come to me. And we're going to pick it up at Daniel 6 here. Where he says, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom serve you continually provided for you? And I, I jumped ahead a little bit. But once Daniel got to King Darius, King Darius said, you have the opportunity to bow before me. And he said, not doing it. So he said, I'm going to throw you in the, in the lion's den. And he throws him in there and they cap it and they put guards outside it. And then they wait all night long. Now, has anybody been to a zoo before? Right? You go to the zoo, has anybody ever seen anybody feed the lions at the zoo? Right? You, if, you, if you get the opportunity, it's pretty cool. Right? But I'm going to tell you that if you put a piece of meat out there, the lions aren't waiting on it. They're going to go and they're going to devour it. Right? So as they throw Daniel into this lion's den, you would think that the lions would devour him. And as we pick up here, we see that, and when he came to the den, he cried out with the lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke saying, Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent an angel to shut the mouths of the lions so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. So point and taken here, right? We've seen that God's spoken things into existence. Now we're seeing that he can send things to help us, right? So now in this instance, he sent an angel. But on top of that, we got to remember that God shows up too. He can speak it. He can send somebody. Or he can show up. Which this takes us to Daniel's friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel 3. And the, the story of the fiery furnace. Right? Most of us know this story, but if not, a little, little paraphrase uh, here. Long story made short, right? There's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're Daniel's, like, right-hand men, if you really don't know that. They're, like, his, 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 like, field generals, so to speak. And King Nebuchadnezzar, this is a different king, had a golden statue made to worship. I think Frank talked about that in Idols a couple weeks ago. Right? We can worship anything. It could be our music. It could be our cars. It could be our families. King Nebuchadnezzar, he decided that he was going to make an idol and, and a golden statue that all the people were supposed to worship. The people were warned and threatened that if they did not bow to the statue, when they heard the sounds of the musical instruments, they would be thrown into the fiery furnace. The king got wind that, again, through those little critters, right, those little friends of ours, hey, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're not, they're not worshiping the idol. So Nebuchadnezzar again gets infuriated, and he calls them. And this is where we pick up in Daniel 3. It says, this is King Nebuchadnezzar speaking. It says, I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse... You'll be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. 
And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves. Can we all learn something there? Can we all learn something there? How often do we defend ourselves? We've got a God who's already got the victory. We don't need to defend ourselves. He's already done it. Right? It says, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want it to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the golden statue you have set up. They had their decision no matter what. They knew where they were going. How often do we get in a situation where we're like, yeah, 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 and then it sort of turns a little bit where we go, oh, I'm not too sure. Right? I just heard a thing last night. It said, do you lean or do you stand? Right? This is leaning. Right? If this moves, I fall. Right? This is standing. You know what? God's word doesn't say to lean on it. It says to stand on it. And when we stand, we stand tall and we stand proud and we can bring him glory no matter what happens. If we're in the furnace or we're out of the furnace, if he's in the furnace with us or he's out of the furnace with us, he's going to have the victory no matter what. So no matter what, stand or else you're going to fall for everything else that's out there in the world. Know where you stand before you need to make the decision. Because making the decision in the middle of the thicket doesn't take care of it. Then we'll start leaning on things. So we get through this here where it says 18, and it continues to go on. So the king ordered them to be thrown in the furnace to die. This furnace was so hot, right, that the people who escorted him up to the furnace died on their way bringing it up there. As they were walking up, if this were it, the soldiers who were bringing him were dying on the sides because that's how hot it was. Okay, so they throw him in there, right, and this is where we pick up in Daniel 3.24. Where it says, but suddenly, as he was watching. So think about this. Nebuchadnezzar's sitting there watching these guys inside the furnace. That just helps us understand what this man was all about. He jumped up to amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we throw three men into the furnace? Yes, they said. We indeed, your majesty. Well, look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four. Unbound, right? Because when they walked up there, they were all bound up, shackled and everything, tied up. I see four unbound walking around in the fire. And they aren't even hurt by the flames. And the fourth looks like a god. Right? God shows up when we call for him. He's there. He speaks it. He sends. And he shows up. Now it is unclear how God manifested himself in this. Right? There's many different, if you look at different scholars and stuff, many different beliefs on how he did. But if you look in the Bible, God manifests himself several different ways. Right? Burning bush. Right? He manifests himself there. He came as the light on top of the mountain. Right? So he, he has got the, so what this says in the fourth looks like a God, nobody's 100% sure who it is. 
And if you want to really look at it, there's a lot of different ideas out there of actually who it was. Some say it was Jesus. Some say it was God. Some say it was an angel. Guess what? They're all God. He showed up. That's all we need to know. We don't need to get into the, the, the thicket of it. God showed up, plain and simple, period. We make it too difficult. We want to know how and why and what. How he, make it simple. He showed up. All right. So we know God spoke. He sent. He showed up when work needed to be done. What a great faithful God that we serve. God spoke in, or he speaks to us today. He sent back then, and he sends people to us now. And if you don't believe that, then what you're seeing right here in this building, you don't believe either. Because God sent a man to tell Pastor Jeff to look at this building. This building when it was in shambles. When it was all run down and the roof was caving in and there's water everywhere. God sent a man, a member of this church, who everybody could have easily discounted. He said, hey, go look at this building. And now you guys are living in it. Don't discount people. Don't discount how sends, God sends you. All right? Give it a faithful evaluation. Ask God if you're supposed to receive from it or not. And God shows, shows up in, in our time of need. Because why? He's always present. He always knows what's going on. So over two years ago, I had the opportunity, I like to go to Christian concerts. I like to take my kids to Christian concerts. So we had the opportunity to see Toby Mac again. All right, I say that because we've been a couple times because God's blessed us. But this is a show that I would always take my kids to because of the way that he is on stage. He's real. He gives testimony. He shares the gospel through his music. All right, Toby Mac is a Christian artist who's been singing for over 20 years. All right, he's won several Grammys. He's, if you listen to K-Love or you listen to Air One, he's on there all the time. All right, but this night was shortly after his son died. His son died of a drug overdose. His son was an up-and-coming artist, right along with his dad. He was a Christian rapper. He was going to be successful, and he made a bad choice. But on this night where we were at Toby Mac's concert, he was sharing the testimony of how God helped him get through this. Because you know what? The only way you get through something like that is with God. There's no other way. And he was talking about how he was going through the scriptures. And he got to Psalms 98, which we're going to start to talk about today. And the scripture says that God rolled his sleeves up. And Toby Mac actually wrote a song about this. You can listen to it if you want to. It's called Help is on the Way. All right. So today we're going to talk about two different scriptures that talk about God rolling his sleeves up. They're going to come from Isaiah 52. And Psalms 98, 1 and 2. Both are a proof and a promise that God's still at work today. Both of these scriptures speak about rolling the sleeves up, doing work. I don't know about you, but I'm a roll your sleeves up type of guy. Okay? It's hard for me to sit around and talk about work. I'm a guy who wants to roll my sleeves up and do the work. Okay? So that's what God does. And as we go through this today, we're going to get a better idea. Most of you know, I've been able, my mom informed me this morning, because Facebook is great, right? 
She said, I had a memory pop up. And I said, what? She goes, you spoke in church six years ago. I'm like, great, thank you, Mom. But six years ago, you know what? Six years ago when I was up here, I had my sleeves rolled up. Six years later, I still got my sleeves rolled up. You want to know why? Because when we get up here, it's time to do work. We can't get up here and waste time. We got an hour. We got an hour to do work. So you know what? When we get up here, it's time to get hot. It's time to put energy, energy, energy into it. And it's time to roll our sleeves up and do work. And that's what we're going to do over the next bit of time. Right? So we're going to look at these two scriptures. We're going to dissect them a little bit. We're going to look at the similarities. We're going to look at the differences. Okay? But Psalms 98, 1 and 2 in the message says, Sing to God a brand new song. He's made the world of wonders. We spoke about this this morning. We said that. He said, hey, let there be light. Right? He rolled his sleeves up. He set things right. God made history with salvation. Would we all agree about that? There ain't anybody else who's done what God's done with salvation. He showed the world what he could do. You know what? That was then. And today, he's still showing the world what he can do. When we get into Isaiah 52, it says Isaiah 52.10. It says God rolled his sleeves up. All the nations could see his holy muscled arm. Oh, bam. Right? I think about Popeye. Right? Popeye cracks that pan can of spinach. He throws it down. He rolls his sleeves up. And that forearm gets to be this huge thing. Right? And he's got all this strength. Well, God's much, more, much stronger than Popeye, but when we bring it to a little bit, that gives us a little bit of an idea, right? All the nations can see his holy muscled arm. Everyone from one end of the earth to the other sees him at work doing what? His salvation work. The most important work he does. So when we look at these two scriptures, we can see the similarities. God rolls his sleeves up, and his sleeves are rolled up in regards to salvation. Let's take a look at the first part. God rolls his sleeves up. So what's it mean? When you study this out and you look at it, all right, it, it says, when taking time to do this, we find out the significance of God bearing his arm. When he rolls his sleeves up, it's in pre preparation for action for battle. If he spoke the word, and he sent messengers, and he showed up, now he's rolling his sleeves up for battle. How important is this? Right? How important is it that he's getting ready for battle? And what this is, is the ancient soldiers, if it be the oriental soldiers or whatever, they had these long robes on, right? And when they went to swing their sword, the robe would get all in the way. So it would inhibit them. It wouldn't give them free freedom of motion. So they would roll their sleeves up before battle so that when they had to swing, they could get everything they could get out of it. Right? This is showing that God's not going to be tied up. He wants you. He wants to be able to do whatever he can do for you. He doesn't want anything to impede that. So he's going to roll his sleeves up for us. It gives us freedom of motion to swing those swords. But why does he roll his sleeves up is the important part. He does it for the work of salvation. 
God rolls his sleeves up for each and every one of us. Each and every one of us here, those at home, he's rolled his sleeves up for. It blows my mind. It blows my mind. Because at some point in our lives, we didn't know who Christ was. We had no idea. Many of us could walk through and be like, hey, I can remember we, we've, got, <laughs> we've got our pre-Christ days and our post-Christ days. And some of us got our days where we got Christ and we ain't nothing else going on because we were in the wrong place. Right? To be quite honest. Right? We were lost. And God was ready on our behalf to roll his sleeves up and battle for us. How much does he love us? He's willing to do the work. He was willing to get dirty. He was willing to shed his blood for our salvation. We want proof. Right? We're, we're, we're a society that needs proof. There it is. That's the proof. The cross is the proof. When you look and read the scriptures of what happened on the cross, you can see where God rolled his sleeves up. Because most importantly, each one of us, when it came to that, we might have rolled our sleeves down. I'm done. Had enough. Even Jesus said, it, if your cup shall pass, let it pass. Because he knew what was ahead of him. But yet still, he said, not my will, but your will, Father. Let it be done. Roll the sleeves up. Got dirty. Shed blood. Sweated blood for each one of us. When we look at this, in, in the, you know, when we think about this, he died for each and every one of us. We can be reminded of John 3.16, which is very familiar to most of us, right? For God expressed his love for the world in this way. He gave his only son so that whoever believes in him will not face everlasting destruction. But will have everlasting life. Now we, see, we, we hear this in New King James and stuff, right? I love this. Everlasting destruction. If you don't have God in your life, you've got everlasting destruction. Now, if we go through an hour of everlasting destruction, that's enough for us. Right? When things turn ugly really, really quickly, that's enough for us. But this says if we don't know God, everlasting destruction. We've seen buildings in Israel that are under destruction right now. Everlasting destruction means it keeps going and going and going and going and going, and going. But God doesn't have that desire for us. Why? He rolled his sleeves up. Hopefully the work that Jesus did on the cross for us has not faded away in our, brain, in our brains. But what we need to do is be reminded each day that God is still rolling his sleeves up to do work for us and for others. We want proof? Think about this. Because we're a place that needs proof. How many of us know somebody who doesn't know Christ? God's still rolling his sleeves up. He's still battling for him. He still wants him. He can give up on him. That person could be a family member. It could be a colleague. It could be your hairdresser. It could be my students. It could be the person who annoys you the most. Could be your next door neighbor, because you know what we do? We just drive in our garages now, put the door down, we don't talk to anybody. 
God's rolling his sleeves up for them because they're important. God battles each day for the lost. There are several times in Scripture where God's referred to as the good shepherd. John 10.11 says this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd puts his sheep before himself and sacrifices himself if necessary. And then going down to Psalms, 50, or Psalms 95, Come kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. We are his sheep and he is our shepherd. Oh, that you would hear him calling you today and come to him. That's his desire. Right? That's the desire that he has for us. But what we learned is that the good shepherd had a job. Right? When you look at the job description of a shepherd, they had work to do. Right? And there's three key qualities that are included in this, in this life of a good shepherd. Right? One is to lead and guide. His job were to get the sheep from one place to another. Right? If they took the wrong path, he had a chance of losing one. Right? If he didn't get them to green grass, they didn't eat. If he didn't get them to a creek or a river, they go dehydrated and they could possibly die. How many people could relate? That's what the good shepherd does for us. He gives us what we need. He leads us and he guides us. All right? The good shepherd always, and he also nurtures. Right? Number two. He nurtures his sheep. He cares for their needs. He takes care of the injured. How many of us have been in that place? How many of us have been in that place and the only thing that's gotten, out of us, gotten us out of that hole is God? He's the good shepherd. He provides. He nurtures. He gives us what we need when we need it. And the third thing that a good shepherd does is he protects. The shepherd in the field is ready to fight off any animal that attempts to attack the sheep. And he's got tools to do it. He's got his rod and a staff, right? The rods to, to, to defend. It's got a nail on the end of it so he can prod the sheep in the right direction or kill off anything that comes to get it. The staff helps him direct them on the right path. But he's also got something else. He's got a slingshot. How many people had a slingshot when they were a little kid, right? You got that little pebble in there and you pull it out. And you're like, wham, Right? Think about it. We look at Daniel or, or David and Goliath, right? David pulled out those nice little shiny pebbles. Said, you know what? I'm just a little shepherd boy. Come on, big giant. Got out that polished pebble. Wha-bam! Right in the head. Done, right? The good shepherd's got a slingshot. He's ready to fight off from a distance or he's ready to get into close quarters battle, whatever he's got to do for the sheep. He's ready to do that for you too. And that's what we need to realize. The good shepherd lays down his life for us. This is what Jesus did when he went to the cross. He protected us from that life of destruction by giving up his own life. Plain and simple, the shepherd rolls his sleeves up. That's the type of person he is to get ready for battle for his sheep. Now, over the past two weeks, Pastor Jeff's been speaking about parables and the treasure of the field. Today, I'm going to talk to you about a different parable, which is the shepherd and the sheep. 
We're going to look at Luke 15. So it says, so Jesus used this illustration. If you had a hundred sheep and one of them strayed away and was lost in the wilderness, wouldn't you leave the 99 others to go and search for the lost one until you found it? And then you would joyfully carry him home on your shoulders. We can go on. I think it goes on. Next. Yeah, there we go. When you arrive, you will call together your friends and your neighbors and rejoice with you because the lost sheep was found. Well, in the same way, heaven will be happier over one lost sinner who returns to God than the 99 others who strayed away. He did it for the one. And you know what? We were all the one at one point in our lives. Our shepherd goes after the one. The flock has strength in numbers. Right? That's why it says don't forsake the assembly of the God. Right? Come to church. We're stronger here than we are when we're apart. How many people get attacked while they're in church? Not many, right? But as soon as you walk through the door, get in your car, go home, look at the news, all of a sudden, bomb, 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 bomb. Don't forsake the gathering. Get together. Go to life care. Go to journey. Right? Don't stay away from people. Get to people. I'm a very, I don't like people. I don't know why God has me do this. I struggle with people. Many of you know that. <laughs> but I know that if I'm not with people, I'm not doing what God's got for me to do. And it's a challenge every single day. <laughs> now I'll change that. I don't like what people do. I love people. Right? That's how most of us are. Let's be honest. That's how most of us are. We all love people, but we don't like what some people do. But do people not like what we do? We're getting real. Right? There's no reason to come in and make this all pretty. It's the truth. And the truth will set us free. Right? We got to remember that. We're not to be isolated. The enemy will go after the isolated one. All right? We need to remember that. We're never to be alone. God will never leave us or forsake us. The shepherd leaves the 99 to go after the one. The shepherd doesn't go unarmed. He goes with his staff and his rod after that sheep, his slingshot and his pebbles. But he rolls his sleeves up and he's willing to do whatever it takes. Many of us ask why. And I can only explain it to you this way. This is inside my head, right? Think about this. There's 99 people lined up. And there's a bus. And the bus is going to heaven. And everybody's got their ticket and they get on the bus. And God's going through and he's like, Brad's here. Chris is here. Lynn's here. Hey, so-and-so's not here. Everybody buckle up. You're going on a ride. I'll meet you when I get there. I'm going to look for them. And he goes through the traffic, and he goes through the city streets, and he'll go through anywhere he's got to get to to find the one. Because you know what? He's got a ticket for him. He's got the boarding pass for him, right? He's just got to get it to him. But how's he going to do it? He's going to speak it. He's going to send one of you 
and he's going to show up through you to do his work once you've agreed to roll up your sleeves and help him. We've got the ability. He's shown us the formula. We've got to make it work. So when that person doesn't get on the bus, he's got the ticket, he's got the board and pass, he's going to look for him. he's not going to let them miss out. They've got a choice to make. And often it comes to how people tell them about it. You're going to go to hell if you don't know Jesus. Where are we going with that one, folks? Being real, right? Sometimes we're our, we're our own worst mem- our own worst enemies. We are. Being real. That's not the way to do it. There's only one thing. There's only one going to get one thing that gets the lost sheep. Doesn't matter if the lost sheep's got green hair. Doesn't matter if they got tattoos. Doesn't matter if they're worth a million dollars. Doesn't matter if they're worth five million dollars. There's only one thing. That's going to get them to heaven. It's love. And God is love. That's it. We make it so hard. We make it so hard. But all we've got to do is love people into the kingdom. That's it. Love. But it's hard to love people. (laughs) It's really hard to love people. But you know what? We got to roll our sleeves up. We got to put some energy in it. We got to be willing to get tired. We got to be willing to get dirty and love people. Why? Because everybody's created in the image of God. And he calls them their masterpiece. And he's got value in them. Just like he had value in you when you were the lost sheep and he went looking for you. I look at my life before I knew Christ 25 years ago. I just got out of the Marine Corps. I was engaged. My, my engagement got broke off. I was doing everything I wanted to do myself. I was chasing my own dreams. I was chasing medals. I was racing. I wasn't happy. And you know what I did to get out of it? I drank. I drank and I drank and I drank. And you know what? When I got done drinking, the problem was still there. It didn't chase it away. It just, it, it was still there. Until God sent somebody. Because he loved me. God sent that messenger. That messenger was willing to get dirty. That messenger was willing to see me in my ugliest spots of my life. That messenger was willing to roll their sleeves up. That messenger was willing to be obedient and share the good news with me. That messenger said to me, are you saved? I said, who's come to get me? I'm not even joking, real conversation. They said, are you saved? I said, I didn't know that somebody was coming to chase me. What are you talking about? That messenger is my wife. My wife is awesome. And she's, she's not here. She called me this morning and prayed with me before I came up here. She's in New Jersey with our son who's playing lacrosse right now. I don't know if he's winning or losing. I'm not looking at the scoreboard right now, so you're all lucky. (laughs) But she saw something in me that I didn't see. And I don't know where I'd be today without her. 
and her obedience to God in sharing the good news with me and trusting that God was going to do his work, because she didn't force it on me, I'll tell you that. She said this, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, I only date Christians, if that's not you, see you later. And I didn't go, where do I sign up? It took me a year. It took me a full year to figure it out. To know what she had, what she had, I wanted. Because she was different. And I wanted the different that was in her and me. So she just waited out. We talked and we chatted. I lived in California. She lived in New York. I came home. We still started going to church with Kathy back there. We went to the Book of James Bible study. I remember it like it was yesterday. Changed my life. But he sent a person. He sent a messenger. They were obedient. And they allowed us. He allowed me to get to where I am today. Because he saw much more in me than I ever did. Because I, I didn't have the boarding pass. He had it but he wanted to get it in my hands. We need to remember that we all have this ability to be on the bus or help people get to the bus. It's not our responsibility to put people on the bus. Do we understand that? It's not our responsibility to put people on the bus. It's our responsibility to show them the boarding pass, tell them where they can go in a loving way, and then let God do the work. Amen. But many of us are like, let's go! And we scare the snot out of them, and they don't want nothing to do with us because they think we're crazy. For real. They think we're crazy. But when you share a testimony with them, if you share a trial with them, if you show them God's faithfulness through your testimony and, and shower them with love no matter what they're doing, no matter how bad they treat you, no matter what names they call you, that's what can put the board and pass in their hands. That's what can get them to heaven. But, <laughs> but, you got to roll your sleeves up. You got to be willing to get a little dirty. You got to be willing to expend a little bit of energy. You got to be willing to expend a little bit of time. But somebody did it for you. I say it this way if God's my best friend, then why aren't I telling people about him? Because when I got a new phone, I can tell people about it. If I get a new car, I can tell people about it. If I got all these things, I can tell them about it. But if God's my best friend and he's the best thing I have, I'm going to keep him all to myself. Miss Lynn would say that's selfish. <laughs> and she's 100% right. Right? When we, we, we've got to have a hope that we can do this, right? And this is where it comes down. We're all called to do this. It's not easy. It's not comfortable. I can tell you for sure. All right, but we're all called to do this. And that brings us to Matthew 26. 
Matthew 26 says, he told his disciples, I have given you all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples in all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given to you. Be sure to, excuse me, and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is our charge. This is our command. This is one of the last things that God told us to do. This is one of the last things Jesus told us to do before he left. Right? We all want to be obedient. But I can be obedient in this, and I can be obedient in this, I can be obedient, but this one's tough. Because you want to know why? We're dealing with people. And people are not easy to deal with. Gosh darn it. But I was one of those people, and you were one of those people, and God believed in us, and somebody was obedient to come share with us. So who are we to judge? Who are we to say that that person is not good enough? Right? John 14, 12 in the New Living says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me can do the same works I have done in even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. Jesus told people about his dad. This says that you can do the things he did and greater. Did you get it? Jesus told people about his dad. And this says that you can do that and greater. And everybody said, amen. No. Nobody's, nobody's clapping. Nobody's excited. This is the, no, no, don't give me no false stuff. It ain't real. I don't want it. Right? <laughs> right? Don't make me feel good. <laughs> That's not what it's about. This is tough. This is tough. But if you believe that the joy of the Lord is your strength, which we sang this morning. If you believe that God knows all your circumstances and he can help you get out of them. If you can believe that by Jesus hanging on the cross that you can have salvation, then you can't discount this because it says in Philippians 4.13 that you can do all things, right? It didn't say some things. It, says, it didn't say you can do all things but John 4.12. It didn't say that. It said you can do all things through who? Me, Right? Through Christ who strengthens me. So we can't pick and choose what we want to do out of the Bible. Believe it or not, there were people many, many years ago who did. They cut pages out of the Bible because they didn't want to deal with it. Made it a little bit easier. Made it a little bit thinner. It was a little too heavy, a little too, too, a little too heavy to carry around. But if you believe that Jesus died on the cross for you, if you believe that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and then you must believe that you can do the things that they did in greater. We can't be discounted. But it's hard. God rolled his sleeves up for the woman at the well. He rolled his sleeves up for the woman in adultery. He rolled his sleeves up for the paralytic man. He rolled his sleeves up for the blind man and so many more. His word is truth and we got to believe it. We got to believe the works he can do and we got to be willing to roll our sleeves up. Will you be willing to look at people through God's lens of love? 
which allows you to see people with mercy and grace. And that's what people need the most. We must be reminded that each time every human is created in God's image and that he's their master, he's, they are his masterpiece. And that no person is not rolling their sleeves up for. So many churches today are known for what they stand against. And it's so hypocritical. Why don't we tell people what we stand for? It makes it a whole lot easier. For real. Right? We stand for love. We stand for mercy. We stand for grace. We stand for compassion. That's what's going to win somebody to Christ. Then, once they get God's love inside of them, then we can talk about the other things. Because guess what? All of us have other things, even today. And God's still working on us because it says that we're a work in progress. It says we're not finished. I'm not what I was when I was born. I'm not what I was when I was saved. I'm not what I am today. And I'm, 10 years from now, I'm not what I'm going to be today. We're a work in progress. We keep going through it. But we must shower people with the good news. Let them know God's love. The Bible says that all have fallen short and sinned. So why do we expect people to live perfect Christian lives when they're not even a Christian? Right? We get ticked off because somebody's swearing or they're drinking or doing whatever, acting like a knucklehead. But if they don't know the love of Christ, guess what? They don't know any better. But we're like, and you know what God's doing? He's going, all right, it's time to go to work. How different is that? Right? It's time to go to work. He looks at it as an opportunity, not something that's going to stop us. But we look like, oh, that's too much. We go the other way. Look at people through God's lens of love. Look at them as they're all a child of God, that they're not a bother. And I really want you to do this. This is something I've been doing for the last year, okay? And it's really helped me, and I hope that it helps you. When I've got a problem with somebody, I look at, I go, why do I have a problem with them? And I put it back on me. And chances are, once I sift through it, it's my problem. It's not theirs. I challenge you to do that. When you look at people and they bother you, ask, why does this bother me? And start to dissect it. Start to go through it. Don't judge them. We often put Christian expectations on the unsaved. But before we were the same exact way before we were saved. The days here on earth are getting short. As we know, the Bible says Jesus is coming back for the church. The question is, is will you be ready? Each day we're one day closer. Each day we're one, place, one day closer. Just the other day, my wife was having a conversation with my son Drew. He's the little 10-year-old who sits up here. Um, he's over there today. And he said, hey, Mom. This is hilarious. But it's childlike faith. He said, hey, Mom, got a question for you. If I'm in school, when Jesus comes back, will you let me get out of school? <laughs> Can I go see him? Are you willing to put everything down if Jesus shows up and go, go bow at his feet? Are you willing to just sit there and just praise and worship him when he shows up? Because you know what? I'm not saying my son's perfect. He's far from, believe me. But he gets it. 
we make it so hard. Right? It's that easy. I just want to get out of school. I just want to go see Jesus. <laughs> Think about it. So innocent, so pure. But how many people may never have that opportunity if somebody doesn't shower them with love and let them see what God's got for them? Church, it's time for us to roll up our sleeves. We're going to look at Ephesians 3.20 right here. It says, Now glory to be to God, for who by his mighty power at work within us is able to do far more than we would ever dare to ask or dream or beyond our highest prayer, desires, or thoughts and hopes. May, may he be given the glory forever and ever through endless ages because of his master plan of salvation for the church through Jesus Christ. We have this ability. When you think it's not possible, it's possible. This gives us that hope. God is with us, and we have the privilege to do his work. Here we are as earthly hands and his feet. Whether you're a greeter, an usher, a worker at the welcome desk, servant in res kids or quest, if you're part of the media team or the sound team, if you're part of the praise and worship team, if you're part of journey or recovery, your praise and prayer, life care, whatever that is, guess what? You're rolling your sleeves up every single day. If you're here doing maintenance on the weekdays when nobody's around, you're rolling your sleeves up every single day. If you're the guy who's out there cleaning up the rock beds on a Saturday, you're rolling your sleeves up for God every single day. But just don't do it when we give you the opportunity. Right? We all want to faithfully serve, but it all doesn't need to take place right here. As soon as you walk out those doors, it all takes place as well. Right? It's comfy here. Everybody knows God. Or they're here and they want to know about God. Comfy, comfy. Out there, somebody might tell you where to put it. But if you do it in love, chances are that's not going to happen. Here at RLC, our middle name is Life. It's a roll-your-sleeves-up mission, right? If you don't know what it is, it's right here. Love in full expression. Right? Love. Full expression. Do you know what that means? Every possible way you can think about showering love on somebody, that's what it takes. And uh, the rest of our mission is to know God, to grow in God, and show God's love to everybody we come in contact with. If they're the best person we know or if they're the worst person we know. Because they're created in the image of God and they are his masterpiece. Let's not make it any more difficult than that. So as we leave here today, there's some big takeaways that I'd like to go over, right? If you leave here with anything, understand this. God speaks, he sends, and he shows up. God's willing to roll his sleeves up and battle for you. He's the good shepherd, and every sheep is valuable. And you know what? Now it's time for us to roll our sleeves up and do his work. Because he's called all of us to do it. And we've seen proof through the scriptures today that that's what we're supposed to do. With, with heads bowed and eyes shut, if you don't know God or who he is or the God we've spoken about today, and you're willing to allow him to roll his sleeves up for you, the good shepherd searches for the lost, I ask that you raise your hand so that I can pray with you. If there's anybody in the sanctuary who wants to make Jesus Lord of their life, if there's anybody at home, we just thank you. We're all going to say this prayer together. 
believing that God is going to change lives through it, said, please repeat after me. Lord, I realize I'm a sinner. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. I recognize my need for forgiveness. And I surrender myself to you today. I accept Jesus into my heart as Lord and Savior. Please show me your plan and your path. Help me become the person you want me to be. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. And for all of us who are sitting here who already know Christ, you know, we got to think about this. The Lord is our strength every single day. He gives us the wisdom to roll up our sleeves. He wants us to share the love and the good news with all those we come in contact with. Maybe look at people through God's lens of love, knowing that you have a desire for them to spend eternity with you. And in heaven, that you have the best plans for everybody we come in contact with, Lord, and that we can help them to see this. It's just such an important thing. If, for you, if you prayed today for salvation and you're here, we just ask that you let somebody know, an usher, myself, um, any of the elders. If you're at home and you want to connect with us, you can go to our website, ResLifeNY. Uh, go to the, the contact page there. Let us know that you uh, accepted Jesus into your life today and that, that your life has changed. If you want us to contact you, please uh, give us a phone number or email address and we will do that. Um, and let's just stand up. We'll pray before we're dismissed here. <clears throat> I'm grateful that God uses all of us. Because you know what? If this, if, if, if this work was on one person's shoulders, it'd be way too heavy. So dear Lord, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you are the good shepherd, Lord that you're willing to fight and battle for each and every one of us, Lord. As we leave here today, Lord, we ask that you continue to protect and provide, Lord, that you give us the wisdom and knowledge to be able to shower your love upon people. We ask that you continue to be with Israel and all the things that are going on there. Help our pastor to get home safely and refreshed and renewed, Lord. And Lord, we just ask, Lord, that we put your goggles on and just look at people with the lens of love. We ask all this in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Stay right where you're at. Have a seat. Have a seat. Family business.